today um, I want to talk to you on the subject grounded in the word because I feel a deep responsibility and a deep obligation while I get to spend just a few minutes with you on Sunday I want to equip it's my goal to equip you to empower you that when you leave this place that you would be able to live a victorious life around the clock and in God that is possible and today I'm going to shed light on one of those ways that, that we can live the life that God has called us to live. Amen. Are you ready for it? So if someone came to you today and offered you just this incredibly unique gift that would guarantee you the direction that you need, that would provide the prosperity that you need, you know, the, deep, the prosperity deep down on the inside when you have just a peace that surpasses all understanding, and success in your Christian walk, a gift that would give you by far the ability to rise above any circumstance that life would throw your way and give you power to be able to withstand, to be able to stand against our enemy, a gift that would keep you from sin, a gift that would keep you from destruction, and even a gift that would keep you from despair. I bet every single one of you would run and say, give me this gift. You would be eager to receive it. And the great news is that you have it available to you, and you have it in your possession. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 says this. Moses has died, the leader of the people of Israel, and Joshua is taking over. And one of the first things that we see out of the life of Joshua is found in this particular verse where God tells him, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me and not one thing less. I would give them, be strong and very courageous be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, either turning to the right or to the left. And then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything that is written in it. Because only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Throughout the gift of the Bible, throughout this incredible book, we have access to all the power. If we read God's Word truthfully, as a believer, as a Christian, if we read God's Word and if we apply it to our lives, we will see Him fulfill the promises that He has declared and He has outlined in His Word. God will never, never, contradict his word. Jesus, our Lord, we understand was present at the world's beginning, and he is the word. Jesus and the word of God are one and the same. What are you talking about? Let me tell you, John chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. Amen. And the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1:14 says, the word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Jesus, we understand that the Word was manifested in a human form. And through the Word, we have Jesus manifested on written pages. So I rise to tell you this morning that the same power that is in Jesus is in the Word. The Word of God is powerful, but we have to receive the truth of His Word in order for the Word to work in our lives. I'll say that one more time. We have to receive the truth in order for the Word to work in our lives. If at some point in your life and in our lives, we feel that the Word has lost its power, it's not because the Word has changed. His Word never changes. But could it be, could it just be that we have stopped mixing the word with faith? If you want to fall in love with Jesus, again, find him in his word. If you want to fall in, Jesus, fall in love with Jesus for the first time, find him in his word. And make the word a priority in your life. If you want more power, can I just tell you, consume more of his word. Because it's at this point that the Word then becomes alive for you and for me. When we understand the word spirit, the word spirit that we hear time and time again, it is pneuma in the Greek, and it means the presence or the breath of God. So when we look at the Bible in its totality, I understand that it's not just a collection of words in a book that we can study to improve our life. No, no, this is so much more than just a self-help book. But it is a powerful body of truth. Amen, somebody. The very breath of God is found in it that has the ability to bring about its own fulfillment in your life and the life of your family. The word is literally, it's spirit and it is life. The disciples told Jesus, where else can we go? But you are the only one who speaks these words, and your words are spirit, and they are life. So I want to tell you this morning that as we progress through this message that God has placed in my heart, that if we just set ourselves to read his word with our intellectual ability and our mind, it will be difficult to do so. Don't get me wrong, because studying the word is indeed important, but we have to mix the word with faith. And we have to mix the word with the spirit of God in that process. The words we read will be exactly just that without his spirit, just words on a page. It's just like trying to read a novel. When you're reading a novel without the correct prescription glasses and you just can't seem to have the focus that you need to be able to understand what it is telling you. Many of us, could it be that are, we're trying to read the Bible with the one thing that will help us see? We need the Spirit of God for the Word to come alive. We need the Spirit of God for the Word to come alive. John 5, 36 through 39 says, But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that He sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face. And you do not have his message in your hearts, is what the Bible says, because you do not believe me, the one he sent me to you. 
And then he tells them this. You search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life. But then watch what he says. Jesus says, but the scriptures point to me. In the New Testament, these, this group of people that we understand that are called the Pharisees are questioning the legitimacy, the legitimacy of Jesus that he is claiming to be the son of God. They're questioning, they're not, they're not really understanding what is taking place and, and they can't see it. Th this group of people were some of the most studious people that you, would, that you would come in contact with. They were religious scholars who knew the scriptures better than anyone at that particular time. They could even recite the first five books of the Old Testament from memory. Anyone? But in the scripture above, Jesus points out to these people who have just internalized the word and who have, who have committed it to memory. And he tells them, there's so much more than just reciting the scripture. There's so much more to knowing God than intellectually just knowing what is written. No, he confronts these people. He confronts the Pharisees and he says, you search the scriptures because you think that you have them in your possession because you carry them around with you, that you have eternal life. But the scriptures, he says, they point to me. You're missing the big picture if you're only reading the word to get a thought for the day. You're missing the big picture because you just can't know the word of God. You have to know the God of the word. You just can't know his word. You have to know the God of the word. The Bible can come alive to you and introduce you to the true character of Jesus. And it can genuinely change your life. His word is enough for us. So we understand through, through, through time that the word was revealed as John told us, and one of the most incredible stories that can narrate this or that can give account to, that can speak to this point is when this young girl that we understand that we know as Mary, she's visited by the angel named Gabriel who tells her that she's about to become the mother of the Savior of the world. The details are found in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 through 37. Mary's initial response to the angel was, how could she bear a child if she knows not a man, if she is a virgin? In verse 37, Gabriel says this, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Can I just stop and tell you that there is nothing that you're facing that is impossible for him? I've said it before, but the, the account of Mary lets us know that, that if this young girl as a virgin can, can have a child in her womb, that God can do, God, there is nowhere that he will not go. And there is nothing that is impossible for him. The, the word nothing in this, in the Greek, means two words. It means no rhema, N-O, rhema. Rhema is the Greek for the word, and it means the revealed word. So you may have experienced, as you read the word, the rhema word of God while listening to a sermon or reading the word, it seemed like the words kept just coming from the speaker directly to you and landed right on your heart. It, it seemed like that the preacher knew what you were facing, and, and that's why that was said, uh, it is a rhema word. 
You may have also experienced it while you're reading your Bible and the words just jumped off out of the page and you were going through a difficult time in life and you've turned to a particular passage of Scripture that just encourages you. And it's like a breath of fresh air that just lifts you up from the circumstance that you are facing. You may have experienced that. That is the word at work. When it becomes a revelation to you, because no word that God speaks is void to not be fulfilled. Because after the word became revelation to Mary, she believed, she had settled in her heart, she had made her mind up that anything God would speak to her would be true. Can I tell you, his word is still true. In a world that that questions it, in a society that contradicts it, his word is still true today. Have you settled Have I settled in our hearts that once you hear God speak, that we'll obey? It's a question that we can ask in a rhetorical form. If aspects of his word today to you don't make sense to you, or you're not seeing the fulfillment of the promise, of the biblical promise, remember that God is challenging us today. He is not looking for us to completely understand everything, but he's looking for us to obey. He's looking for us to obey, just as Mary obeyed on that day and said, let it be so. Heaven proposed to bless her, and she accepted. I don't understand it, but I'm going to obey. We need to say, God, I may not understand it. I may not, my emotions may not match up with what you're telling me, but I will choose to obey you anyway. My emotions sometimes can get the best of me, and I can make a permanent decision based off, of a, based off a temporary emotion. But his word is true, time and time again. So how do we activate the word? How do we activate the word? Activating the word, the first thing that we have to do is make God's word a priority. Are you making his word a priority in your life today? We will always make time for the things that are important to us. Amen. I once heard somebody say, I don't have time to work out. You have time. We have time to do anything and everything. It's just not that important to us. Just as our bodies need food for fuel, our spirits that will live forever need the word. Our spirits need the word. And as you spend time reading your Bible each day, it will bring you life to what you're going through. So how do you do that? Just choose a Bible reading plan. There's many available on the YouVersion app. Have an accountability partner. Join join, uh, with someone and say, I'm going to go through the Bible in 365 days. Will you go through it with me? And just hold each other accountable. Make the word a priority in your life. Can we commit to that today? To make the word a priority in my life. The next thing is that we got to believe what we read. We have to choose to believe that the word is true. We have to choose to believe that the word is true. God says that it is impossible to please him without faith. If you put your trust in God's word, you will see your faith 
and subsequently your confidence grow as you read it. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So I have to believe what I read, and then I have to meditate on Scripture. That's the next thing. So don't just do a daily reading and put the word away. But I have to think about it. I have to go throughout my day contemplating, reflecting on his word. Psalms 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And those who meditate on his law day and night, that person, so once we have his word in our hearts and once we meditate it, watch what his word says, that that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. I have to believe his word. I have to meditate on his word. And when the word is in me, that's why David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I would not sin against you. When his word is in me, it allows me to be able to stand against uh, the, the schemes of the enemy because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, uh, against the spirits of darkness. Uh, there are things coming against our families. Uh, there's things coming against our marriage, uh, our minds. There's things that are just trying to knock us down and trying to have us deviate from a life that God has called us to live. I want to tell you, his word is still true. He called us to be more than conquerors. He called us to live a victorious life in him. It doesn't mean that everything goes right, and it doesn't mean that we always get it right, and it doesn't mean that everything is perfect. There's going to be times where I'm going to feel down, but I have to tell myself, I have to speak the word into me and say that he has never left me, and he'll never forsake me. I have to understand his word and apply it to my daily life, that, that when thoughts come against me, that I have to, that I have to say that, that, that the the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every thought, every thought that comes against you and every imagination and, and bringing it under the obedience of God that I have to take his word and, and know that when somebody cuts me off, his word says, love your enemies. <laughs> I have to understand his word and apply it to my daily life uh, that when my children are driving me nuts, only in the Carranco household, right? To know that his patience, that, that God works all things together for good. I have to know his word and internalize it because whatever you're facing, can I tell you there's a word for what you're going through? I want to tell you that whatever you're facing, there is a word for what you're going through. But it is about meditating on that word day and night. The word meditate means to chew the cud. So in other words, what it means is that we should get the nutrients from it, swallow it, then recall it again, and chew on it some more. And chew on it all day. And chew on it in the evening. 
and that you'll be mindful of that word and be able to do what it says. That truth will always trump emotion. That truth will always trump what I'm feeling. That it paves the way for a rhema or a revelation to take place. That I have to put my faith into motion. So I have to activate his word in my life. And you have to activate it for yourself because I can't do it for you. We have to activate it for ourselves. So as I draw to a close, I think, how do, how do I meditate on his word? How do I meditate on his word? I have to speak God's word out loud. I have to speak God's word out loud. That when anxiety wants to come, at two or three in the morning and wants to wake you up, that I have to say, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, that I would make my requests be made known to God. That when fear wants to, oh, bless his name, that when fear wants to take over, that I have to tell myself, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. His word has power to reach you right where you're at. His word has power to reach you right where you're at. Saying scripture out loud and effectively telling myself, nope, this is not the end of my life. This is not how my story ends. But I, but I have to give him praise because thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. It doesn't just say half the time. It doesn't say three-fourths of the time. It says he always causes us to triumph. It doesn't mean that we don't go down, but when we go down, I get back up, I shake myself off, and I say, he who called me is faithful to complete the work that he has begun in my life. He didn't call me to leave me now. I have to tell myself that, that when disappointment comes my way and when confusion comes, that I would tell myself, no, 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 no. God is faithful. I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen a righteous forsaken nor his descendants beg for bread. When I look at God's resume, he's never lost a battle. When I look at what he's done, I can look back on my life and say, all my life you have been faithful. Speak God's word out loud. And when the truth comes out of your mouth, that it will build your faith, that you memorize that truth and that you memorize that promise so that you can speak a specific scripture over a specific situation. you're battling the enemy that you would just say like first john chapter 4 and verse 4 says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world if the passage is not in the first person make it personal to you read luke 10 19 that god has given me authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm me that when my circumstances appear overwhelming that I have to remind myself out loud time and time again of the truth that no, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through God who loved us. 
that I have to tell myself the Lord is my light and he is my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That when I'm sick, that I have to say he is the one who heals all my diseases. That when I am lost, that he is the one that heals all, that forgives all my sins. When there's no money in the bank, that I have to say, and my God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory I have to meditate on it I have to meditate and speak to my circumstance and speak to my challenge and speak to my loneliness and speak to my heartbreak and say there is a word for what I am facing So think about the word day and night. Think of it this way. If you're tuned in to God for only one hour of the 16 hours on average that people are awake, the world will overwhelm you. The stuff you read, the stuff people tell you, the the lies and the deceit, all that will overwhelm you because I'm only spending an hour of my time in his word. But what happens if the word goes with you to work at 8 in the morning? And what if the word is with you at 10 o'clock when you're in that meeting? And what if when, when you go to lunch, the word is with you? And what if the word is just constant? You are exposing yourself more to the word than the world. then I got to make meditation practical. When it comes to meditation, frequency is key. It's not how much, it's how often. So why, why do I say that? Because reading the Bible three times a year can be a great goal. But if we aren't taking time to allow a specific, the specific truth to sink into our heart, We, we can find more value sometimes in that. So learn how to find some nuggets and chew on them throughout the day. Find a nugget in his word. Recite it to yourself. Talk about it with your friends. Write it down in a journal. Post it on your refrigerator if you still do that. Your bathroom mirror. It may be more beneficial to read a specific verse 10 times a day rather than reading for 30 minutes. I'm just being practical with you. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, it highlights what we need to do with God's word. I'm really ending this time. Okay. My child, it says this, never forget the things I have taught you. Never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you, but I love what he says, tie them around your neck as a reminder, write them deep within your heart, then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. So I have to do what is written. There may be times when, we, when I'm actively studying his word, learning his truth, getting excited about it. 
But do we consistently do what it says? Do we consistently do what it says? When you grow tired and when you grow impatient, tell yourself those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to wait. I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to wait. I'm going to renew my strength because I'm waiting on him. Let us not get tired of doing good, his word says. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Sometimes it's just about holding on and saying, I'm not giving up. So what would we do? What would it be like if we began putting what the Bible says into practice every day? Can you imagine how our lives would change? That we would see the, the truth of his word at work in our lives each day. That we would see his promises being fulfilled when we walk in obedience to his word. As we look at James chapter 1 verse 23 through 25, we find a premise, the, the beginning to a promise of seeing God's power work in our lives. It says this, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and like Sister Pooh said, once you leave the mirror, it's our problem now. You see yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I don't know one person in this world that if you were to tell them, do you want to be blessed? And they would say no. Each of us want to. It is a natural response. And here his word tells us that I have to look at myself in, the, in his word and adjust myself. And adjust myself according to his word. Am I a reflection of his word? So I want to tell you today, I want to leave you with a challenge. That you would make your daily time in the word sacred. That you would not let anything interrupt you. That you would find a verse that resonates with you for what you're facing, that you would say it out loud, that you would think about it all day long, that you would put it into practice. And I'm going to tell you this, just see what happens. Let's just try it and see what happens. Because then meditation will turn into revelation. Revelation will activate your faith. And when your faith is activated, things change. When your faith is activated, anything can happen. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for your word that is true. I thank you that even though the flower fades, and I thank you that even though the grass withers, your word will remain forever. I thank you for your word that finds us, challenges us, that changes us, that inspires us. 
I thank you for the person in this place who feels like life has just been overwhelming and it's been one thing right after the other. There is a word that says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that your spirit will raise a standard against it. I thank you for someone in this place who feels like they're being attacked, that just as you said to Abram, I am your shield, and I am your great reward. I thank you for someone in this place who's going hard after you in this fast and these 21 days of prayer that you tell them that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. I thank you for the person in this place that feels overwhelmed by life, that your word comes to tell us that we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. I thank you for the person in this place that feels overwhelmed, not on the outside, no, 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 overwhelmed on the inside, tired, frustrated. I thank you that there's a word that says, come to me if you're heavy burdened, if you're laden, and you say, I will give you rest. I thank you for somebody in this place whose marriage is on the rocks, that your word says, uh, what God has joined together, let no one divide. I thank you that there is a word for what we're facing here today. I may be struggling on the outside or struggling on the inside, but your word... I, I can't get away from it. So I thank you today, God, that you are going to do an incredible, amazing work in the life of your people here. For everyone that is here today, that they have a request, they have a need, that your word will meet them right there. I thank you that you're always on time. You're never late. I thank you that your word will always do what it sets out to do. Your word never returns void. I thank you for that today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to close our time together today without giving you an opportunity. Maybe you're in this place today and you've never made the decision to give your life to Jesus. His word says that by grace, we're saved. It's not by what you do. You couldn't do anything to deserve it, but it's because of the finished work of the cross. And you're in here today and you're carrying shame and you're carrying guilt. And it's just eating away at you. It's eating away and you're tired. I want to tell you today that today's the day that you can give your life to Jesus and make a 180 degree turn and see God's work in your life like never before. So if you're here today, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you don't have to come to the front. It's nothing like that. But you say, today's the day that I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to invite you to just raise your hand right where you're at. If that is you, if God is tugging at your heart, if you, today's the day, I see you. I see you. I want to invite everybody at the sound of my voice to, to pray with me. 
We believe in community and that no one should do life alone. So we pray together with you and we celebrate your moment. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me unconditionally. I give you my hurt. I give you my shame. I give you my guilt. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap your hands together and give God praise for everyone that accepted him today. Would you stand with me?